Welcome to Long Story Short Podcast, the audio show that invites ordinary people to tell their stories about an extraordinary God who shows up in their hopes, dreams, disappointments, and victories. Turn over the pages of your own story and discover who the real hero is. You paid the price for all the world to see. And for those who choose you now, Shalom. 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 Oh, I wish they. But I felt like I was on a treadmill. And when you're on a treadmill, you can turn the treadmill up to eight miles an hour, nine miles, 10 miles an hour. You can run for an hour and you're huffing and puffing and you're sweaty and you turn it off and you look around, the treadmill stops, you look around and you're the same place. That's kind of how I felt about my life. And so it's like, where is this all going? prayed vigorously for five years that God would use me more. And uh, it just was a time of dryness, no answers. And uh, you start to get ready for your answer after five years and your anticipation grows. Hey, Long Story Short podcast listeners. We know you love a good story as much as we do. Get ready because we've got another great one to share with you. Today's episode is entitled, Beyond a Good Life. Our friend Ray tells us that he's been blessed with a good life. But years ago, he felt pressed to pray for more than that. He believed there was more to the life God wanted for him. So he fervently prayed, not for days, not for months, but for years. Over and over, he wondered, when would God finally answer that prayer? Have you ever waited for God to answer a prayer? I mean, like really waited. For Ray, not only did he wait for years, but there was also a heavy dose of spiritual dryness thrown into boot. So what happens when you get to a place where you may be satisfied with what you're doing or what you've accomplished, but you're wondering, maybe God has something more for me. Yet when you begin praying about it, all you hear are the crickets chirping or the sound of the wind in the trees. Now, before we turn this over to Ray, we just have to mention something here. What struck us about our time with him the most was his genuine interest in our own story. Now, our purpose was to record his story, but he ended up asking us many more questions about our lives than we asked him. We get the impression that we're not the only ones who experience this authenticity with Ray. His encouragement and counsel about the podcast has been meaningful to us. We believe God can use Ray's story 
to speak to your unique time of waiting. Thanks, Ray, for your encouragement to keep listening to God and continuing the podcast. Now, let's let Ray tell his story. Well, Lisa and Brent, thank you so much for having me on your podcast of uh, Long Story Short. And uh, the objective here, I know, I commend you for what you're doing, is to uh, just share stories of how God is moving in people's lives, and, and uh, I'm here to share my story tonight. Uh, I came to Christ about 25 years ago in 1990, and uh, it was through uh, the death of a daughter. And uh, while our daughter was, uh, was dying, and uh, uh, I, I was begging God for her life, and uh, he came to me one night uh, in the midst of a desperate prayer uh, in terms of a, of, a, of, a, of a warm wind blowing over me from my left to my right. And he allowed me to be in his direct presence. And uh, that was a very defining moment in my life. And it was an Isaiah 6 experience. And uh, God allowed me to retain that closeness with him for uh, about five weeks. And, and Becky, our daughter, had passed away in the middle of that time. But that sent me on a mission to find God. And I hunted him for him for 10 years. And uh, God uh, led me to him uh, 10 years later through the words of the Bible. When I first opened the Bible and looked at uh, some verses that uh, my wife Jill and I were talking about, I recognized uh, those words as authentic words from the God that had visited me 10 years earlier. So the mission of my life is very clear. It's to retain that level of closeness with God. Uh, I mentioned Jill. Jill is my wife of 42 years, and we have two adult daughters uh, with their families and four grandkids. Uh, Amy is 30, 38, and Christy is 35 right now. And uh, so we're blessed that they're all uh, followers of Jesus. Uh, vocationally, I, uh, I started with IBM right out of graduate school and uh, was with IBM for 20, 20 years, a little over 20 years, and had uh, a variety of different jobs, uh, some strategy jobs and um, some uh, different roles, one of them uh, of which I led a business unit that uh, did consulting and services in the upper Midwest. Uh, I left in 94 and God... Uh, directed me to start a business at that time. And so uh, uh, I was led into uh, starting a business that did high-end IT consulting, uh, enterprise uh, strategy, architecture, managed large projects, very large firms. So we built brokerage systems. We consolidated data centers uh, globally for corporations. We uh, uh, did uh, large data warehousing projects, things of that nature. Started a second company in 05. Uh, doing outsourcing for small and medium-sized companies uh, under 1,000 employees would turn their IT operations over to us. Uh, my life uh, has gone really well. Uh, there's, uh, I've, I've led a, um, just a really, I'd say, a blessed life. Uh, th uh, family has gone extremely well. Uh, business has gone well. And uh, uh, involved in a lot of ministry things over the 25 years since uh, coming to Christ. But the last five years, uh, and this is where my story really starts, last five years, uh, I felt like, um, where's this all going? And uh, involved in a lot of things, things are going well, but uh, I felt like I was on a treadmill. And when you're on a treadmill, you can turn the treadmill up to eight miles an hour, nine miles, 10 miles an hour. You can run for an hour and 
you're huffing and puffing and you're sweaty and you turn it off and you look around, treadmill stops, you look around and you're the same place. That's kind of how I felt about my life. And so it's like, where is this all going? So I prayed for five years. Uh, I felt like I, I had more to give God. I wanted to give God more and uh, prayed vigorously for five years that God would use me more. And uh, it just was a time of dryness, no answers. And uh, you start to get ready for your answer after five years, and your anticipation grows. And, you know, I might even use, I don't like to use the word anxiousness, but I might even say an element of anxiousness came in there. And uh, I thought, is this all there is? Is this how I'm going to die? I felt like my life was running at about a two or a three out of a ten in satisfaction level, just kind of internal satisfaction. And then two Augusts ago, I woke up in the middle of the night, 2.20 in the morning, uh, half dreaming, half praying, and everything was crystal clear to me. Uh, it was God's voice speaking. I could, I could tell it was. And, and he said, I want you to work on strategy, Ray, cross-culturally, broadly, cross-geographically. That was it. My, I, I just, uh, there was just a sense of extraordinary excitement in me as I, as I listened to God. And I laid awake until the alarm went off at 6 o'clock in the morning and just excited and thinking about, okay, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? This is the answer I've been looking for. Convinced it was the answer I was looking for. So that fall, I uh, took four courses refreshing myself on strategy. I had a lot of strategy background. I had uh, um, uh, numbered strategy jobs in IBM, strategy jobs in my company. I had the opportunity to go to Harvard Business School with uh, with IBM and, and had a lot of background, but it got refreshed on uh, strategy topics. And as the fall progressed, I'm wondering, well, where God exactly, what is it that you want me to do? And uh, uh, and my anxiousness started to grow again. I'm getting ready for an assignment that I didn't know what the assignment was. Around Thanksgiving, uh, a former missions pastor uh, of mine uh, sent me an email. I hadn't talked to him. He was out of state, hadn't talked to him for probably five or seven years. He said, would you like to join me on a team to South Asia uh, teaching some pastors? And uh, this man was very, very strategic, a, a close friend, and I immediately said yes. So I found myself weeks later in South Asia with a group of, of, uh, of pastors from a country uh, quite different from my country. Uh, and through the week, as teaching things go, you're typically, as, a, as the teacher or facilitator, you're getting taught more than the students are. Certainly in my case, that's the, that's the case. And I just listened to these men's stories across the week, and I listened to the beatings that they received for receiving Christ, or how their families, their, their children were rejected in school, uh, were, were considered outcasts in the school because they wouldn't, because they were followers of Jesus, or, or how uh, one man uh, couldn't feed his family, didn't have enough money to feed his family, and yet he gave up half of what he had to start a church. And I listened to these men. At the end of the week, I asked if I could pray for them. And I started praying a blessing Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock. And uh, as I started praying a blessing on them, God took all of their stories and put them in a compact package and just crushed me with them because it real, I realized in a moment there as I was praying 
that uh, I'm with these men this week. I'll be back in the United States with a different set of men next week. The men I'm with this week in uh, South Asia have nothing materially. The men in America have everything. The men in South Asia, I haven't heard complain about everything. The men in America that have everything complain about everything. The men in South Asia uh, that don't have anything, uh, I didn't hear them asking for anything. Uh, I just saw a sense of gratitude for what they had. The men in America who have everything are always asking for more. And they, have, they, they speak words of gratitude, but the words sound shallow compared to the words that I was hearing from the men in South Asia. So as I was praying, I completely lost it. I couldn't finish my prayer. Uh, it was kind of a sobbing mess, actually. And uh, I asked at that moment, God, if you'd let me hang out with men like this, doesn't have to be this particular country, doesn't have to be these men, but I would consider it a great honor. So that's how I came back uh, two, uh, two years ago from that trip, first trip to South Asia. Jill and I prayed about that through uh, December. Uh, around Christmas, we felt a strong sense that God said, yes, you can, uh, uh, you can work with men like this. And then we assembled our family right after New Year's, and we decided we're going to uh, sell our house and give away our possessions, and we're going to go lightweight. And so that's what we, after about a three-hour meeting with our family, all of our family, we decided that's what we're going to do. And we started that process that night. Uh, so we're purging now, and we still don't know what my assignment is. So I was praying, God, would you just show me the assignment? I convinced that this is what he wanted me to do. And a couple weeks later, a friend invited me to a ministry organization in the southern, one of the southern states of the United States. And I went down there. He said this, this, this organization works with uh, difficult uh, countries, uh, a lot of persecution, um, people that need to hear of Christ. Uh, these are difficult situations, and I thought that would be of, in, of interest to me. So I went down and spent two days with that mission organization. And uh, they had a role for a person to do a strategy right in South Asia. So I said yes on the spot. And two weeks later, I found myself uh, in South Asia meeting, uh, meeting men and women who are, uh, in my words, my observations, just out there doing it every single day and extending the kingdom of Christ. God has taught me much uh, through this experience. I'll wrap up with these thoughts. Um, I look at ministry as not, it's not about any wonderful contribution I have to make, or anybody has to make, actually. Uh, God spoke the entire universe into existence with one single word. Do I actually think he needs my help on something? I don't think so. Uh, but it's for me, it's like he opens a door uh, to a new room. I'm in a room now. It's a room I'm familiar with, a room I'm comfortable with, but he opens a door to a new room. I can go in through that door, or I can stay in the room I'm in. He gives me that option. And so as I move into a new room, I look around and I, I say, whoa, wow, look at all this new stuff. God, wow. And those are the things that he's showing me in South Asia as I've walked into that new room. What are some of the things he's showing me? Lots of things. I wrote a little white paper on this, um, just kind of bulleting the uh, eight or ten different things that, I, that have been life-changing things for me. Uh, one of them is uh, just the idea that uh, uh, less is better than more. Uh, we have so much in the United States materially. 
Uh, but I look at the complexities that that uh, gives our lives. And I look at the happiness that the people leading very simple lives have and, and how they're drawn to God. They have more time to focus on God. Uh, and it's a place I want to be. I want to be at a place with less rather than more. Uh, he showed me that a life of dependence is greater than a life of independence. In the United States, we lead lives of so much independence. We have insurance policies for everything, for my house, for my car, for my life, for my teeth, for my eyeglasses, for everything. Uh, we have 401ks. We say we're dependent on God, but we've wired up our lives to be dependent on ourselves. And I look at people in South Asia. They don't have car insurance. They don't have a car. Uh, they don't have medical insurance. Uh, when their four-year-old daughter gets ill with a terminal disease, they don't have a hospital to bring her to. They don't have a, a doctor. Uh, all they've got is prayer. That's the only thing they've got. They lead a life of dependence. And as they depend on God, I see God showing up in a different way than he shows up in the places that I live. And, and I see, as God shows up in people's lives, I see their sense of gratitude to him. It's, their expression of gratitude is different. The words sound different to me than the words of the people in my own country. And I say, I want to be like these people. But to be like these people, I need to be a person that's in a, leading a life of dependence, not a life of independence. Uh, hospitality. Never really knew what that word meant until I went uh, to some of the countries I've been in. And uh, when you go to a person's home, and uh, they have one bed in their home, and they offer you to sleep in their home, and they give up their bed, and they sleep on a granite floor, uh, not with a little blow-up mattress. There is no blow-up mattress. There's no, there, there is no extra blanket. They're sleeping on the floor in their clothes, on the granite floor. Uh, it, it crushes you. It kills you. It, sh it shows you your own arrogance, your own pride, your own uh, it, it, just uh, sense of self. and Or... I had a man invite me over to his home in the middle of the afternoon for uh, a snack and to meet his family. And I came in, and his wife had prepared at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, prepared uh, a chicken. This was the one chicken that they could afford a month. They bought this because it was coming over to their house for a snack in the middle of the afternoon. She cooked up the chicken. She looked up an American recipe, which isn't even the way she cooked. She cooked it up the way she thought I would want it. They, cut, they gave me the best pieces, put it on my plate. The whole family sat there and watched me eat. They didn't eat until I was, I was finished eating. Their, their sense of hospitality, their, their sense of giving just crushes me. So I could go on and on here, but I'll, uh, I'll kind of close this out with just, just the thought of how, uh, how, much I, I'm, how grateful I am to God for uh, uh, answering my prayer of five years how grateful I am to God that uh, he has allowed me to uh, experience these new opportunities and how grateful I am to God for all the new things that he's showing me and how he's changing my life uh, in, in the process. And uh, that brings great glory in my own heart for him. He is to be praised. Thanks again for listening to episode number 22 on longstoryshortpodcast.com, Beyond a Good Life, featuring our friend Ray. Lisa and I really appreciate you listeners 
especially those of you who have tuned in and liked our Facebook page. You can find a link to our Facebook page on longstoryshortpodcast.com. We'd appreciate it if you took the time to tell your other friends who might enjoy listening to the stories. Upcoming in episode number 23, we want to come back to some friends of ours, Ken and Patty. You've heard them before on longstoryshortpodcast.com. You've heard them in episodes number nine, From Bucket List to Last Dance. And you also heard them again from Surrender to Submission in episode 16. This is the third part installment of their story. Here's a little bit of a preview next time on Long Story Short. So I think one of the bonuses um, of ALS, should the Lord allow, is that ALS gives you the um, opportunity to have some control over the circumstances of your death. I said I feel like a lot of pressure to live longer than I really have, meaning to be able to live to May would require me getting a tracheotomy, the tube in my neck, which I do not want. And then she replied. I said, I really don't think you would do well with a tracheostomy. I don't think that's the life that you want to live. And then I started crying and I said, but for me to come out and say that feels like I'm saying I want you to hurry up and die. Thanks again for listening online. All the podcasts are on the longstoryshortpodcast.com page. And thanks for listening offline on Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play. These are apps for mobile and tablet devices. You'll find subscription links to those services on the longstoryshortpodcast.com in the right-hand index under subscribe. 
And thanks for liking, sharing, and favoriting and following on Facebook and Twitter. You'll find links to our Facebook and Twitter also on the Long Story Short Podcast.com page. We hope you'll tune in again and see you next time. Bye bye.